Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Altoona. And the Green Bay Packers uh, went to play a really tough game yesterday and failed. Uh, they lost 17-14 to in the brand new Jawa Sandcrawler that the Minnesota Vikings call home, and uh, it was a pretty interesting game, to say the least. And Matt, the more I thought about this game, the more just sad that I got. And yes, there's things to be angry about, but it's things that we've been frustrated with for a long time now. And we'll talk about all the details that went into this game. But after a weekend that saw the Brewers take three of four from the Cubs and their young players really starting to show that there's some real potential in Milwaukee, you had Alex Hornibrook come in and lead the Badgers to a, a come from behind win and potentially be that next good quarterback that could take them to another level in a couple of years. The Bucks today signing Giannis to a four year extension. And then meanwhile in Green Bay, still by far the best of any of those teams. But while all those other ones are up on the rise, after a game like yesterday, you can't help but feel that of these Packers, their best days may be behind them. Yeah, and I I don't even know if I'm ready to have this conversation. <laughs> like, you've been kind of alluding to this over the last year, and I'm not, I don't know if I still am not uh, ready to accept that fate yet, but I think more than ever, I've it, that's hitting home for me, you know, last night during the game and then definitely today. And you hope that it's just a bad game, but this is basically a, a full year now plus that this has been what we've seen. So it sure doesn't doesn't seem like when you'd have an off season in between and then you're starting to do it again that it's a fluke. Mm-hmm. And it does kind of seem to be what this team is now and what more specifically what the coaching staff and what Aaron Rodgers is. Yeah, and that's obviously the biggest drop off that we've seen and you know I'm I'm me so I had to go back and and take a look at some of the numbers and in the last uh since Aaron Rodgers week 5 of last year which coincides nicely with with remember how everyone was so up on Aaron Rodgers he was going to win back to back MVPs he hasn't thrown a pick at Lambeau Field in 3 years and really the turning point was when he threw that first interception at Lambeau Field for the first time in three years in the first quarter of that Rams game. And since then, this offense has just not been very good at all. Since that point, um, the Packers are 8-8, eight and eight, um, including that Rams victory. Aaron Rodgers, amongst the quarterbacks who have qualified for official stats, have a hundred. in order to do that, you have to have 150 pass attempts. Aaron Rodgers is 30th out of 37 in passer rating. He's 34th out of 37 in completion percentage. 
Um, he's not in the top 10 in any major category. Uh, his passer rating is an 83.87, which is behind Blaine Gabbert, Joe Flacco, and Brock Osweiler, just a shade ahead of Brian Hoyer and Matt Hasselbeck. That's the last 16 games for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, those are 19 those are like approaching 1999 2000 Brett Favre levels and and adjusted for modern inflation where your league leaders are typically in the well over 100. Um this this is looking like this is easily the worst Aaron Rodgers has ever played and it's happened for what's essentially a season. Wow, that's, that's incredible with those numbers. I mean, we can clearly see it on the field, but you felt like a lot of people didn't quite believe it last year when you'd tell them, like, oh, he's still the best. And the numbers kind of showed that. I mean, 31 touchdowns, 8 picks looks really good on paper and mm-hmm. just a, a right around 4,000 yards, but it just doesn't feel right. And then it's still been the same and even worse, I think, obviously coming to a, a head last night. But, I, yeah, I think last year they were like 31 yards, 31th, 31, <laughs> 31st in the league in yards per uh, completion, I believe it yeah, was. And, and just all these stats are just piling up where he's not even into starter territory, basically, no, in he's, all these rankings. He's about the worst full-time starter in terms of passer ratings over the Which, last... Can you even believe that? Like, it's it's incredible how just from two seasons ago, I mean, this guy is the best in the business, no question about it. And then to not only drop off, but to this level with basically the same team in place. It's insane. And to see it reflect in the numbers that much, which I wasn't aware of, I think is incredible. Yeah, I have never, I never would have expected that was even possible with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. And I looked at his receivers as well, and I, I want to play a little game here later on about ranking who's most to, um, who do you think it most needs to change or needs to improve in order for this offense to potentially someday get back on track. But I looked up the Packers wide receivers and I wanted to see yards per target at our wide receivers. And again, I did a minimum of 30 targets. So that's 233 wide receivers that have had at least 30 targets their way since the beginning of 2015. The highest packer on the list is James Jones at number 32, who's not on the team. The first packer wide receiver on the list out of 233 yards per target is Randall Cobb at 153rd. Devontae Adams is 207th out of 223 receivers that have qualified to have at least 30 targets. And when you go to yards per reception, unbelievably, James Jones was number fourth um, uh, since uh, 2000, uh, beginning of 2015. But James Jones ain't on, on the team anymore. There are only 166 players to catch at least 30 balls since the beginning of last year. Out of those 166 by yards per completion, Randall Cobb is 114th, Devontae Adams is 118th, and the only other two Packers on the list are James Starks and Richard Rodgers, who are in the 120s. Oh. And I know that's a lot hard to follow in the audio format, but basically they don't have a wide receiver in the top 100 in either yards per target or yards per catch. Yeah, I have just zero explosiveness. Yeah. And... That's one of the things that really, there's the statistics, which you know I lean on, but yesterday the Packers playing last gave us the benefit to watch everybody else. There is no one in the league that looks as inept as they do. Cleveland is throwing bombs down the sidelines, completing three or four a game. 
teams that are getting blown out are hitting the tight end up the seam for 25 yards once a quarter. And the Packers can't seem to do that with Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, guys who used to own the league. And it's... I'm at a complete loss for words. It's unbelievable. I never thought this would be possible. Yeah, I don't even think there's anything I can add to that either. I mean, to see this sort of a drop-off and fall from grace. And, I, you know, people might say we're overreacting and most Packer fans are overreacting today, but I think at this point it's clear to say that we're not. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not one bad game. This is a, obviously a trend and a long one at that. It's not even a few-game stretch. It's, mm-hmm. There's something uncurable here, which I think Seems is the scariest way. part for us because something has to change, and from what we've seen from this franchise, I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Yeah, on the way, I, I watched the game at a friend's house in Oshkosh, and I live up in Appleton, so it's about a 25-minute drive. And on the way home last night, I it clicked to me that, and, and we've talked about this before, and like you said at the beginning of the show, that I've been in this place or nearing this place a lot faster than others, but... I would say that in 2014, even after the debacle in the NFC Championship game, I would have said it was pretty likely that this regime would get another championship. And I think that at this point, I don't expect Aaron Rodgers or Mike McCarthy or Clay Matthews or Jordy Nelson or even Ted Thompson to ever win another championship in Green Bay because I just don't. Like, think of the teams that have been able to handle them in recent years. It's not like the the Ron Wolf Packers who couldn't beat the Dallas Cowboys but could whoop San Francisco and could run up and down the field on everybody else in their own division. Every year, they can't beat Carolina. They can't beat Arizona. They can't beat Seattle outside of one game early in the season last year. Now they've lost to Minnesota two in a row, and they've struggled against them at other times in recent years. And... They got destroyed by Denver. They lost to Cincinnati the last time they played them. I just, I can't envision a reasonable road to the playoffs that would allow the Packers to win. And Rodgers is going to keep getting older. How much longer are we going to have these players? I, I am saying right now that I would be very surprised. If, uh, barring, and, and I guess I'll put the caveat saying, let's see what happens in the next four games in a row at Lambeau Field, but if they don't look somewhat back to 2014 or 2011 through 2014 form after that four-game stretch, I'm, I am i don't think this team will ever win another championship with these guys at the helm. Yeah, it's really hard to picture at this point, that's for sure. I, I guess I wouldn't get to that point yet just because as long ago as it seems, I mean, we've seen such great things out of these guys. I guess I would say it's more likely that we may win another championship with some of those pieces. I, I think that if you know a season like this continues this way and we're still feeling this way after the season, I, f- I wonder if the front office might get desperate enough to make a coaching change, and that obviously depends on the next 14 games. That's It's too early to say that now. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you know you have Aaron Rodgers, if he continues to look poor, you have a coach who's supposed to be known for his offense, but his offense has been miserable for two years, um, and you, you think you're running out a window with the guys you have here, which you definitely are. I wonder mm-hmm. if they would. And and I wouldn't say that, you know, if I, I can't picture Rodgers being this bad because of age yet at this point, whereas I feel somebody could, else could potentially resurrect it. I, I don't know. It's hard to see McCarthy and Rodgers, though, getting to that point again. Not that it's impossible, but I, I would also agree that it's unlikely. Yeah, and 
I would my most preferred outcome, obviously, as a fan, believe it or not, of both Rogers and McCarthy, is for them to figure it out and somehow win another championship. But from the football fan standpoint, that can for one second distance myself from my Packers fandom. I would love to see them play or coach and play apart from one another. I want to see what it looks like. And I don't know. Um, It's really weird. And maybe we can go into that because, you know, Rodgers is – it can't be scheme to be as good as Aaron Rodgers has been in his career. That has to be a huge part, him. But on the other side of it, I know it gets old, but it hasn't aged that fast, McCarthy's scheme. But this scheme was successful – with Brett Favre, this uh, scheme had the third best offense in the NFL when Aaron Rodgers only played in half of the games. Right now, they can't get any plays over 20 yards, and I had to look it up because everybody wants to say... I, I, I think everybody is open to any explanation at this point, but the one that seems to prevail is that it's McCarthy's fault or it's the offensive scheme. But then how was Scott Tolzien playing in the Meadowlands, throwing bombs at will to Jarrett Boykin in this scheme two years ago. That doesn't make sense if it's all just the scheme. And um, so I'll, I'll start this with you, Matt, but I have four people that are responsible, potentially, not four people, four items that are potentially responsible for what happened yesterday. And I want you to rank them for who's most responsible. Okay. Rogers, McCarthy, the wide receivers, or are the Vikings just that good? I'll, I'll leave that one at four. Not that I would disagree and say they're not any good, but, uh, I mean, it's not like they're the only team we've played in the last year, so yeah. I'll leave that there. Uh, I think I'll, I'll put them almost in the same order you read them off. I think the receivers, although we lack explosiveness, obviously, I don't think that's the main problem. I think there's enough talent out there that a number of other offenses can make this work with the players we have. And I'm still going to go McCarthy in one and, and Rodgers at two. Okay. I still feel like this is a bigger systematic problem than one quarterback playing poorly, which until last night has still been accurate and made big plays. It's just all of a sudden last night the accuracy seemed to be gone too. Mm-hmm. I just It's too much of an overwhelming thing where it doesn't appear to just be one player's fault, although mm-hmm. that player does have a large part to do with it, but I think it's more than just him. Yeah, I think um, I agree. The Vikings are number four. I do believe that defense is really good, um, but the they've struggled against everybody. The Bears' defense on Thanksgiving is not that good, and they couldn't move the ball against them. Jacksonville and, got killed yesterday. Oh my gosh, Jacksonville looked absolutely abysmal yesterday. I picked them to lose because I thought they maybe would have a bounce back. Um, you know, they they didn't win, but they played so well against Green Bay, and then you have to go to the West Coast, and I thought they potentially could have a hiccup but when they just got smashed that was uh kind of an alarming sign going into the Packer game but I think the receivers are number three because there are teams with much worse wide receivers who are able to do something in the passing game and we have guys who have been explosive into the past and guys that are making a lot of money so they should be the Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson have to be in the top 20 in salary for wide receivers. So I think they have to, more has to be expected out of them. But I think there are teams with worse wide receivers who don't look as inept on offense as the Packers do right now. I will say, 
I think I, I'll agree with you. Maybe I don't think there's quite as much separation between one and two as you do, but I think number two is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yesterday he was really bad, but I think at this point a lot of his accuracy is coming out of frustration or just him not trusting the plays or thinking too much, and I think that's caused by the general malaise of the offense right now. And I think number one really... I hate to pin it all on the scheme, but I think at this point, I think you have to. And my only thing that I can offer up as an explanation kind of piggybacks on a point I was trying to make last week that I think that maybe they're expecting too much of Aaron Rodgers at the line of scrimmage. Why does he have to be essentially the offensive coordinator and go to the line of scrimmage, diagnose all the cover coverages, decide what play we're going to run, put in an appropriate audible, choose between run and pass? I think at this point, and maybe that's what they'll do going forward, call a play, go to the line, run the play. Maybe have some of those run-pass options where he can take the ball out and, and zip it out to Jordy Nelson on like a bubble screen or something if he sees the, the matchup there. But enough with this trying to basically do everything at the line of scrimmage because I think right now Aaron Rodgers, I just want to see him have a three- or five-step drop and throw the ball and not have to think everything over. And, and then, if that's the case, if they're actually doing that, and then they're not successful, well, then maybe we got to invert one and two. Right, yeah. And call me crazy, but it seems to me that, you know, when they kind of switch play calling duties after the, the red zone struggles we had in 2013 and, and that playoff loss, I mean, that's kind of where it got really bad, right? I mean, as soon as we got after that, they gave more to Rodgers. Um, you know, McCarthy gives away some of the play calling and things like that, and it just seems like they haven't been able to recover from that at all. It, it, I mean, there was a pretty clear divide. I know it started more around week six last year when people started to catch on a little bit, but basically it seems like that season divide, the start of last year, it's just all of a sudden they lost it. Yeah, and even so before that, it wasn't like they were hitting a lot of the really deep plays. And even in those early games, that San Francisco one where they drove right down the field on San Francisco and scored and then really couldn't do anything the rest of the game, I think was kind of alarming. And what's funny is that I was, uh, during the, the off season I was listening to some of our older episodes to kind of look for some, from some stuff that we had said that I was going to perhaps reference in the show. And... Everything that's wrong with the Packers offense right now, we talked about early in 2014 as our fear for what would happen if Cobb and Nelson and Eddie Lacy didn't all play exceptionally well. And it was kind of early in that season when they were struggling against Detroit, and it sounds prophetic now when you hear the way that we talk about our fears for what could happen with this offense, and it relies so much on extraordinary play from different people, and... I don't know. Uh, some people said Joe Philbin's gone and Ben McAdoo's gone and they've changed roles so much to try to develop people on the offensive coaching staff and maybe they just mess too much with a good thing. But, you know, that can, to me, that's a great explanation from how you go from number one to number 10. That yeah. doesn't explain how you go to be in Mike Tomzak and bum rotator cuff Don Mikowski territory in right. one year. Right. So I. <laughs> ugh. I don't know. Like, do you have any other explanations be- beyond what we've talked about? Even wild guesses? No, I, I mean, we've we've been drilling this into the ground for two years, but it seems like, obviously, we aren't in-depth enough to probably come up with the correct answer, but it, it seems like nobody knows. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's not like M- Mike McCarthy is 
immune to this or, or hearing about this or obviously seeing what's on the field, you have to believe they're doing everything they can to correct it, and they just can't. I think that's the scariest thing. Yeah. And I, I saw something today about how he had mentioned it was, a, it was a tough game on the road and a tough environment. They had just came in from another road game last week where it was super hot, and it basically just saying, you know, the schedule at the end of the preseason into this has been difficult. And it's like, yeah, I get that if you lose to Minnesota at home, that's one thing. But to do it in this way and to do it in where it's amplified everything that's been wrong with your team for the last year, it's a completely different story. It's yeah. not like you caught a tough team, which is true, but you look miserable and you have looked miserable. And I just feel like they're, I don't know, like yeah. they have to know something's wrong. They have to fix it and they, they either can't or won't or I, I'm, they don't know what to do either. That explanation was perfect for what prompted the RELAX because they had had a bad game in Detroit. One week after they had scored 31, they were the number three offense without Aaron Rodgers for half the season the year before. So that's acceptable. Calm down, people. We're fine. They've not been fine for over a year. At this point, it's not fine. And so there's a couple things, too. Um, One... One thing Aaron Rodgers is leading um, the league in when I talked about those 37 quarterbacks that have thrown at least 150 passes since week five of 2015. He has the most attempts. He has by far the most attempts. And what I wanted to look at then is the running game. So is the Packers running game not supporting them? The Packers are 13th in yards per game, or I'm sorry, 13th in attempts per game, Ninth in yards per game and tenth in yards per carry in that period of time, and so that leads me to believe with their their middle of the road in yards or attempts per game, but their top ten in both yards per game and yards per carry. It maybe goes back to that other thing we talked about for years: is that the simple football solution to what's going on right now would be to feature your running game and let your big bruising running back and your slash back and James Starks control the tempo of the game and as we've said for years it just appears that these two guys can't help themselves they want to throw it's third and one and you have a 240 pound running back and he isn't even on the field for third and one or fourth and one and you're running out of the spread formation one you're thrown deep the other one you're giving a pitch to James Starks it's there's a lot wrong, obviously. <laughs> right, and I think that's one thing where is some of these things could be corrected, but if it's that basic part of this offense, I don't think that's something that's going to be corrected. I just, like you said, I don't think either of them are willing to do that, really. It's just not how they function. Yeah. Yeah. I, ugh. And then uh, you have, you, you kept seven wide receivers on the roster, and none of them saw the field except for Adams and Nelson and Cobb, and clearly... Jordy's just getting back into things, so maybe he'll get better. He needs the reps. He's your star anyways. Randall Cobb's making $10 million a year, $12 million a year. He's got to be on the field, even though he struggled last year. And Devontae Adams, I said on Twitter yesterday, when the ball is in the air, he plays it like you accidentally hit dive while playing Madden as the ball <laughs> is on its way. And he just gets a million chances. Eddie Lacy gets stuffed in the backfield or fumbles. He comes out of games for two quarters. And frickin' Devontae Adams, who dropped a ball on that penalty play when Aaron Rodgers threw him a bomb, dropped a ball that 75 guys that played college football on Saturday would have caught. And he gets another frickin' 10 targets. What the hell do they see in this guy? 
Yeah, and it's not just McCarthy putting him on the field. It seems like Rodgers continues to try to force him the ball, even though he sees the result every time. It's either a drop or a turnover or a fumble or something disastrous. That, that, I think that's what baffles me the most. If I was a quarterback, I'd just ignore him out there. <laughs> but uh, he must be the only guy that, when he looks down the field, has a foot of separation. So he just continues to try to force it there. It just makes no sense why you would keep throwing to him. And then he forfeits all of that separation because he panics like a yeah. guy who just started football as the ball's heading his way right and you always hear about Devonte adams in preseason and in training camp that oh man this guy's just he practices so hard and he's such good preparation and we're always on the same page and to me it made me think that there was no more intellectually prepared quarterback in the history of the league than trent dilfer that guy knew everything and he studied so hard and he tried so hard to be a good quarterback and he just couldn't do it he didn't have the temperament for it. He didn't have the arm for it. Once the pass rush started coming at him, he'd make stupid decisions, and he'd force the ball, and it just never worked out. He had he was more productive as he got older, but he never was any kind of world beater. And then you have a guy like Brett Favre in his prime who was not a studious guy and was more of a, yeah, coach, whatever, I got it. I'll be there on Sunday. Don't worry about me, and was able to make it work. And granted, that's an extreme example but I don't care about his practice habits. And I don't care about how much on the same page you two feel about each other in nine-on-seven drills or when you're playing warm-up catch in minicamp. It's been two years. This guy doesn't have it. And then you got Jared Aberderis who gets like three series a year, and every time he comes out there, he gets two catches. Right. I, you wonder how much more productive an offense could be if you put in a guy like that or, or give Trevor Davis a shot or give Ty Montgomery more of a chance like we saw early last year. I, I mean, the balls going to Devontae Adams are, are almost always negative plays. Mm-hmm. And whereas if you could just get some steady production out of somebody, you would think that that would overall help the offense quite a bit. I mean, it's not going to solve all of your problems, but you might actually get some first downs. It's better than the status quo, which clearly is not working at all. I mean, you would. We're just spitballing, but I mean, maybe that's what they should be doing. Is just try something different because it's clearly not working. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Ty Montgomery didn't have one offensive snap yesterday. Jeez. How can that happen when you can't do anything? I just don't quite get it. Um, I was looking for a team that would be similar to the Packers, um, either to I don't know, maybe just something to talk about. But I always reference Seattle's similarities to the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s just for a lot of different reasons, their attitude and their defense and whatnot. But one thing about the Cowboys that I, I, is maybe lesser known is that their offense with the triplets was one of the best in the NFL, obviously. Uh, they have Hall of Famers on that team. Uh, they had, from 1991 through 1995, when they won all of their playoff games, or most of their playoff games, won three championships, went to four straight conference championship games, they averaged third in the NFL in points and sixth in the NFL in yards. One of the best offenses in history. Then, in 1996, while Troy Aikman's 30 years old, Emmett Smith's 27, Michael Irvin is 30 years old, not old men by any means, for whatever reason... They show up in 1996, and they're terrible. They just are terrible. They plummet to 25th in points, 24th in yards, and their offense is never good again. For the last five years of Aikman's career, they're below average. They're 18th in points, 19th in yards, and it's just a team 
filled with Hall of Famers that had dominated the league for five years, and then over the course of one offseason, they just show up and then suck for the rest of their careers. And so there's no explanation for it. And other than nerds like me, nobody remembers it. But gosh, that that's a little bit scary thinking about that team that is far more talented than the team we have, that there's a precedent for just a great team all of a sudden not being great anymore for no reason that anybody could ever explain. Right, and, and I guess the one thing you could look at with them is Drakeman had a ton of concussion problems, right? So, I, yeah. I mean, that may have had something to do with it. Michael Irvin was Michael Irvin, too. I think he'd kind of run his course by that point. Um, I, I think they may be kind of an extreme case, but, I mean, to see they were a lot better than the Packers ever were, obviously. Yeah. Um, together, so to see a team like that, who did that, and we, we got to see it because we got to play against the Cowboys teams yeah. from before that and then after that, too. Um, and obviously, even with the same pieces, weren't the same, and mm-hmm. we're a little bit older than that team was, even, too, I think, right? So Yeah, a little bit, and, and obviously, there's explanations for why that might have happened, but the fact is, it happened overnight. Yeah. In, in 1995, they played the Packers' solid defense and put up 38 points effortlessly on them in the NFC Championship game and rolled over Pittsburgh's great defense and then come back in 1996 and can't do anything. And it, it makes no sense. And yes, you know, Irvin missed some games and Aikman missed some games. The Packers have had that with Nelson missing games. But the fact is, it's, it's, once you lose it, it's not that easy to get back. Mm-hmm is maybe the moral of that story. Because those guys still played a lot of games together for the next five years, and they never looked the same again, outside right. of a flash here and there. Right. Um, so let's talk about Dom's defense. Um, first of all, this defense deserves better in a lot of ways. Um, we've been wishing for a defense that could hold teams to 17 points for years now. But I think it also showed what Dom's defense is always. It is able to contain, it can rush the passer, it can maybe force some turnovers, it can focus on something and take it away, but the part they don't focus on becomes a career highlight for whatever person that is. And last year we're like, yeah, we're going to rush Nick Foles and make him have a bunch of mistakes, and I don't mind if Todd Gurley runs for the best total in the first half of the NFL season. And yesterday we decided to put Stefan Diggs in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I, I mean, our front seven looked amazing yesterday. They made the Minnesota offensive line look horrible, and they put a ton of pressure on Bradford. They stuffed Adrian Peterson, completely shut him down. But then what is it was expected to be the strength of the team, the secondary, even without Sam Shields, you still feel pretty good with that matchup. I just got, Demarius Randall just got absolutely wrecked, mm-hmm. and, and Clinton Dix looked bad, and Morgan Burnett looked bad, and just all of them just got exploited one-on-one. Yeah, and the thing that maybe is the most egregious is Stephon Diggs has 182 receiving yards, and on third and three, with no timeouts left, or maybe one timeout, I don't remember, they put Demarius Randle one-on-one with no inside help against Stephon Diggs. In what universe does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, you could probably at that point leave the another receiver on the field completely open and just double-team Diggs. Yeah. I mean, even Collinsworth coming out of the huddle, he's like, he was talking right to Diggs as he's coming out, look for this, and it didn't surprise any of us. That's all that had worked from all game. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, one-on-one with the guy who's been getting roasted all day long, uh, easy first down. Yeah, it's <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, Stefan Diggs, by the way, that is the ninth highest single game uh, receiving yardage since the beginning of last year. So, And holy cow, five of the, the eight ahead of him are Antonio Brown. Yeah. 
But, yeah, and he yeah. he did look good. At we made him look pretty good, but I'll I'll give him some credit. I was kind of condescending towards him being the best Vikings receiver coming into the year, but in weeks one and two, I mean, man, he's looked really good. Yeah, and I'll give him credit. I think he's he's a budding star, but um, there's a lot of guys who are stars. Like Philip Rivers is a star. That doesn't mean just because you want to stop the Chargers' run game, he has to have the best game of his career. Right. Like. Yes, Stephon Diggs. He's a great. He, he's a he's a budding star, and Demarius Randall's a young player. And you're on the road. So wow. Yes, he give up 110 yards. That wouldn't be the end. Of, 182. Like that's what's been happening repeatedly with this team. It's like, well, yeah, sure, Coach McCarthy. If you want to stop Adrian Peterson, Stephon Diggs is going to have to play like Jerry Rice. There's literally nothing in our scheme right. that can prevent that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, I guess that front seven, like you said, um, was impressive, and that gives me some hope. And I think Demarius Randall will learn from this. I'm not necessarily that worried about him. I'm I'm more irritated yeah. that they l- left him out on an island to die. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they win that game without Shields. As much as they may not have deserved it, I think that that would have been a perfect matchup there for him. And I, I think it's really tough as a young guy. I think, like you said, he's still going to be really good. I've got no worries about that. It was just a bad game for a young guy. Yeah, and you, I guess you're entitled to that. And when you have a bad game at cornerback, it's much more apparent than if you have a if Kenny Clark has a bad game, right. or or even Ha Ha Clinton Dix has a bad game because you're out there all by yourself and. It's easy for the whole country to see your number chasing the guy on his way to the end zone. Well, it's just on the other side of things, I, I can't remember his name now, but that Vikings DB that was just getting wrecked all night with uh, with penalties, basically oh. didn't complete a pass, but that was our whole offense was getting penalties on this guy. It's Trey Waynes, right? Yeah, Waynes, there you go. From Michigan State, yeah. And then uh, Aaron Rodgers did his best Brett Favre in overtime of the 07 NFC Championship game, uh, throw a medicine ball out over to Devontae Adams, which I don't know if that's Adams' fault or not, but... Clearly, that's not how the play is designed. <laughs> okay, so I, I feel like we're being really negative, and I will. Eric Hansen on the Facebook page, we had a ton of great feedback, so I hope everybody continues uh, talking to one another on there, and I, I think everybody had some really, really good points, um, and there's a lot of frustration here, and Eric Hansen was the, the most optimistic going forward, and he said, remember that it's only two games. He thinks this team will still make the playoffs. And it's still football season, and I've enjoyed this pretty poor Brewers season, and I'm prepared to watch the Badgers get slaughtered every week for the next five weeks. But So I'm, I'm still looking forward to the rest of the season, and if they make the playoffs, it still could be, um, you know, I'm still going to watch all the games and whatever. But I guess it's just that sense that we've enjoyed this glow of realizing that you have a Super Bowl contender every single year, and this is the first time since probably 2007, and that changed really fast because that team was really good, but maybe 2006 that I've legitimately felt that this team is not a Super Bowl contender. And even in 2008, they had just come off the NFC Championship game, and after about four weeks, you're like, okay, Maybe this team isn't a contender, but Aaron Rodgers is really good. We The sky's the limit for this guy, and I think at this point, this is weird. It, it, feels like, it feels like one of those Mike Sherman teams that if they didn't win 10 games, it would be a disappointment, but if they won the Super Bowl, you'd be astonished. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I mean, with the way they played yesterday and the way they played Jacksonville, it it's hard to picture them making the playoffs looking like this, but you kind of assume they're going to still. I, I wouldn't 
maybe wouldn't change my pick of them making the playoffs. I might lower the record a little bit, but I, I still think this team is probably good enough to be a wild card team, which it, <laughs> that's tough. It's almost like that the teams that get an NBA purgatory, I, you almost hate to see it. I, it's like you want them to be 14-2 and two or just blow it completely <laughs> to see yeah. some real drastic changes. This It just feels like, and we've talked about this before too, but a team that's going to keep being a wild card team or a division winner and get knocked out right in the way right away in the playoffs which isn't enough to make any changes yeah i know the the death knell is basically the jeff fisher method where you're seven and nine every single year i mean or the bears you know the bears have been in that holding pattern since we beat them in the nfc championship game you you just aren't bad enough to get any high picks but you're nowhere close to contending and and the packers have a way to go with that but it we've said this for a while that they're going to need another difference maker a big-time difference maker if they're ever going to get Aaron Rodgers back to the Super Bowl. And I'm talking, they need, I think they need somebody better than Clay Matthews. I mean, they need right. a, a Troy Palomalu or a J.J. Watt or a um, Megatron-type talent to come in through the draft. And th- those guys aren't drafted at 27 very often. Okay, so clearly no one knows what's going on. We can always just hope for the best. And I guess just to take a positive spin on it, the Packers have a very strange schedule coming up where they have four straight home games over the course of five weeks. Then they have some road games against some teams that aren't that great. And so um, if they're going to try some new things, uh, you would think their defense would be able to keep them in every game. And so... If they are sitting at, what, 3-3 three and three after this four-game homestand or worse, then I think it's time to push that panic button. But if they're at 4-2 and two or 5-1, and one, I think, um, you know, it, depending on how they get there, if they win every game 13-10, to 10, but then again, if, the, if they're winning every game 13-10, to 10, then maybe this is the type of defense that you can win a championship with. So um, we'll see what happens, I guess. I still stand by my thought that I think the the odds are much longer than I thought they were of this this regime and this cluster of guys ever winning another championship. But I'm holding out hope that they'll prove me wrong over the next five weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the stretch of games that everybody said was in your favor, and frankly, the whole season schedule isn't that hard. So, you know, let's see what they're made of here. They're going to have a week to think on this game, which I think is a good. A good game to have happened, to be honest with you, because you get to see all the negatives look so bad on national TV. Everybody's talking about how bad they look. Mm-hmm. What kind of changes, what kind of drastic changes can you make in a week to fix things? Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, what do you think about the Vikings before we uh, go to our picks? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think they're a contender still. I wouldn't say that. And I think they made Sam Bradford look better than almost anybody has over the last few years. I think that offensive line got exploited big time, which I think would be my main concern. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may win the division. They may be a wild card team. But I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender as much as everybody's making it seem like they might be today. Yeah, that's another one where they play at Carolina next week. And if they win that one... 17 to 14 or 20 to 17 then maybe i change my tune on them a little bit too but um you know yeah. I, I just think if our front seven could do that to them yesterday then i would be very terrified if i were them and i had to play against a team like like they have to against carolina or seattle yeah. or arizona or st louis even somebody who can put pressure on them. i mean bradford's gonna get killed well, yeah, and he's a, a very killable guy with his injury history. But Yeah, and then just last night even, I mean, we almost broke his hand. I haven't heard the results of that. It was a hand bruise. Like, it looked really bad, but it was like they said a bruised hand. 
which is like, ooh. I, I can't do the podcast next week because I banged my elbow on the desk while we were talking here, so I got to go into the locker room. It's over for me. <laughs> it was funny how, like, as soon as it happened, I, I understand it hurt, but he just, like, held his hand out to the bench. Like, you guys see this? Like, help. He just, like, he wanted to come off so badly. Mom, get out yeah, here. Yeah, that's what it looked like. He looked like he was, like, uh, like about to start crying. <laughs> I thought for sure he had dislocated his pinky or something, and then they're yeah. just like, nah, he bruised the outside of his hand. Oh, jeez. Oh, come on. Suck it up, Sam Bradford. He already looks like he bought the old Hutch Halloween costume and put it on instead of a, a actual uniform. But Yeah, very dweeby. Very dweeby. Unfortunately, going back to that dweeb, the rest of the NFC is so flawed that you could see Minnesota still being in the mix. Yeah, I agree. I was just trying to, when I was trying to list off the teams that could put pressure on them, and as I listed them off, I was like, man, but they could probably beat them still, <laughs> yeah. like even with it, like they did to us. Um, yeah, I that's I'd agree with you. I think if if they somehow made it to a Super Bowl and had to play a Denver or a team like that, they would just get absolutely slaughtered. But you could see them taking out any of those other powerhouse teams. Yeah, and I think New England is pretty clearly head and shoulders above the rest of the league at this point. Um, I have a hard time imagining Denver's defense sustaining itself. Maybe I'll back off their six and ten or five and eleven that I thought. Yeah, I think we were a little wrong with that. Yeah, but you know they've also played at home the last two weeks, and we'll we'll see how that goes. And Simeon looks like he's a pretty good game manager, and maybe he'll grow even more. But um, gosh, for New England to look that good with Garoppolo, and I know he got hurt, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens with them now, too. Um, this is weird times. What happened to all these great great quarterbacks that were head and shoulders above everybody? Now they're all coming back to the pack. And, yeah. you, you know, Tom Brady's an old guy, and who knows what he's going to do when he gets back. Right. Um, and for me, just real quick on Garoppolo, I think as, as rough as this is, provided that his shoulder is not messed up or at any risk of permanent damage, this could have been the best thing that ever happened to him because he gets to leave the field spotless. And if New England loses either of the next two games, they're going to talk him up even more. And so he never got to show his ugly spots. He just gets to come out and be basically perfect for two games. And, gosh, he he doesn't have to play the whole four games and expose any flaws in his game. He can just sit there and either get a huge contract from New England or get a huge contract from somebody else after next season. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I, he's probably secretly hoping Brissett doesn't look nearly as good as he did, for sure. Because, I mean, at this point, you cut it off right there. Somebody at this point would probably give them a couple of first-round picks for him, you would think. Yeah. He, he looked that good. He's that young. So you think either he's the, the heir apparent to Brady and they're going to lock him in as such, or they're going to get a truckload back if they trade him somewhere. Unless Brisket comes out there and just tears up the Houston Texans. And his whole value is, is gone, <laughs> basically, yeah. Yeah, Brissette would be so much better if his name were were Brisket. Yeah. And if he were, then he'd have to get traded to, like, Tennessee or something, right? Right. <laughs> okay. That should be in the NFL bylaws. Okay, so um, yesterday, I didn't know if there was anything else too much other than while the Packers can't seem to figure anything out, I have the whole NFL easily figured out. I went 11-5 and five last week in picks. I went 11-4 and four so far this week in picks. So, you know, the NFL's on notice. I, I'm... I'm hip to what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. How did I do? I, I don't think I did too bad. I missed a couple. Yeah, you had you were six and nine this week actually. Oh no, that's not good at all. You got all the late games wrong. <laughs> you were doing fine, better in the early right. part, and then yeah. the late games were pretty rough. But whoops. Well, that's all right. There's still time. 
I'm sure this week that everything will go crazy and uh, it'll get weird again. All right, so let's move on to our picks for this week, and we start out with uh, Old Brisket going down to Houston, which is probably another great place for Brisket to start. Or no, Houston's coming up to uh, Boston or uh, Foxborough to play Brisket. So, uh, who do you think is going to win that game? Ooh, I, I, you go first on this one. I'll come back around to it. Okay. Um, as much as you almost have to believe New England's ability to beat anybody with anybody. Um, Houston has looked good this year, and uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with the Patriots because they saw Osweiler once last year, and I feel like they'll be able to shut him down. Yeah, this is a really tough one. Hey, Houston's looked pretty good so far. I th- I think I'll roll with them. You have a really good point, though, but I think I'm going to have to stick with Houston. I just think that defense is good. I, I don't. I mean, Brissett got absolutely nothing going when he got into the game, hmm. so I, I think I'll go with uh, Houston. Yeah, that's... It yeah that who knows <laughs> it's hard to tell with a guy you've never seen do anything. Baltimore at Jacksonville. Neither of these teams are very impressive so far this year. Uh, do you want to pick first on this one? Sure. Um, yeah, this is a tough one too. I think, man, I I want to pick Jacksonville at home, and I think I'm going to. I think that although they looked really really horrible, I think Baltimore is kind of an easier matchup for them, and I don't think they're as bad as they looked last week either. I think they bounce back. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, I don't think they'll be the, – yeah, I don't know. I, I guess Jacksonville seems to have enough offensive talent that they're due for one, and Baltimore really hasn't impressed me at all. Um, they were able to run down Cleveland, but I guess I'm not too impressed with that. And um, Yeah, I just want to say, though, I I just love Steve Smith so much. He, made, he makes a couple of cool sideline catches yesterday that I saw in red zone, and um, – they they brought up the old Andre Johnson should be in the Hall of Fame after he caught the the touchdown at the end of the Titans game and I don't believe that he should be a Hall of Famer but I think Steve Smith definitely should be with similar numbers. Oh, I 100% agree with that. I I'd, I'd say Johnson's not in and I don't even think it's that close to be honest with you. Maybe his numbers show that he should be, but I I don't think so. I think Steve Smith's a lock. Yeah, and I think once we get with some of these guys retiring, you can't put wide receivers in based on numbers unless you want it to be the Hall of Famous receivers because it's starting to get ridiculous in that regard. And, you know, was there anybody more feared than Steve Smith from about 2003 to 2008? I mean, that guy was tearing everybody apart. Right. All right, Washington at the Giants. Um, Kirk Cousins threw a really, really bad interception, and now all of a sudden there's talk in Washington that his teammates don't like him and Jay Gruden doesn't t- doesn't uh, trust him. And uh, those Redskins, if we overreact, we look like <laughs> Mike Brown sticking by um, Marvin Lewis compared to the Washington Redskins. Yeah, they uh, they give up on a quarterback after one week. Very frequently here, it seems like. Yeah, and it's um, worked out so well for him over the last twenty yeah, years. Right. I, I I hate picking these games. I feel like I'm going to get them all wrong. They're all so close, <laughs> and like these bad teams there that you have like no idea. Um, I'm going to pick New York just because they're at home. I guess I trust them a little more. Um, ugh. yeah, I will too. I I that defense has been okay so far this year, and yeah, their their defensive line's been good again. And that's scary because you know that offense is going to pick up. Victor Cruz is starting to play well. I really like Sterling Shepard. They got Odell Beckham. Um, so, yeah, New York could be with... Yeah, they could be the dark horse in the NFC again. It's yeah. it's about that time. It's been a few years. This year is built for a giant Super Bowl win with how much parity there is. Uh, Cleveland at the Dolphins. Um, it sounds like 
who do they have? Um, Cody Kessler is going to have to start for Cleveland, so um, I will pick the Dolphins. Yeah, same here. If he looks anything like he looked in that preseason game against us, this should be uh, a stomping. <laughs> yeah, he was brutal in that game. Minnesota at Carolina. I hope we get to watch that game yesterday because I live in the Green Bay TV district. And, of course, they didn't think I'd want to watch the Steelers against the Bengals in their first meeting since that playoff game last year in the rain. They said, no, no, I think you want to scout the Detroit Lions for week three. <laughs> At least that, that game actually ended up being better, so it kind of paid off. Well, it was pretty boring up until the final part of it. Yeah, but, I suppose. Yeah. Um, oh. I'll stick with Carolina just because I think that uh, – their offense will figure out Minnesota's defense a little better, and there's no way Bradford can match Cam throw for throw. Yeah, I agree. I think Carolina wins by a couple of touchdowns. Did you see them kind of running up the score against the uh, yeah. 49ers? I wonder what that was all about. Well, it was so it got really close there for a while, and then all of a, it was a weird game. They were blowing them out, and 49ers caught up, and then all of a sudden they just like re-blew them out again. You don't usually see those, that many runs in the course of a game. Yeah, it was like... An SEC kind of blowout nowadays. It reminded me of yeah. a lot of Alabama games where they just torch somebody and then they have to keep their the foot on the gas because the other team just keeps scoring. Denver at Cincinnati, that should be a real good one. Um, I think I'll take the Bengals at home reluctantly. Yeah, same here. I, it's a tough one because I think they could definitely shut down Andy Dalton in that offense, but I, their defense is pretty good in their own right. So I, I think they could maybe just put up a few more points. Yeah. Uh, Arizona at Buffalo. The Bills, in perfect Bills fashion, were 2-0 and five days into their season, or 0-2 and five days into their season. Um, and I already talked that uh, Rex Ryan is probably on the hot seat, and he fired the offensive coordinator after they lost a game 36-31, to <laughs> which seems like a Rex Ryan thing to do. Um, I... I Yesterday I looked pretty wrong about Arizona. This feels like a game they could lose, but I don't have the guts to pick it. I'll pick the Cardinals. Yeah, I agree. This definitely seems like an upset special here. Uh, and Buffalo's offense looked pretty good. They're, I don't know what's wrong with their defense, though. Rex Ryan should have fired his brother, I think, and himself. <laughs> that they can't, They're can't. they not an untalented defense. They're missing some key players, but I don't know how that defense is that bad. So yeah. I, I'm picking Arizona, too. I, I wonder if just maybe they were a one-hit wonder. That for some reason, with uh, Doug Marone, it was all clicking and coming together and I don't know because they were really really good in 2014 and they never quite were that good on either end of that season mm-hmm. Oakland at Tennessee so the Raiders had their predicted uh, or a uh, fallback game yesterday so that's the only late game you got right you picked the Falcons as well um, yeah. <laughs> Tennessee is so weird I, I can't tell if that offense is just incredibly limiting or Marcus Mariota just really isn't that good it's it's weird. I guess I'll pick Oakland. Yeah, same here. I I think they've. I don't think there's any way Tennessee holds them to fewer points than they can score. Yeah. Do you think Mariota's any good? Like, how do you feel about him after a, a year and two games? You know, after watching him last year in the few games he played, I felt pretty good. I, I'll be honest, I didn't see it as much yesterday, and I didn't get the the luck of having that as a primary game. So I was watching <laughs> Reds so much, and they weren't scoring until the very end. So I didn't see him other than the right at the end of that touchdown, which was a good pass. But his numbers were good, but I, I, I'm i not sold yet. I think Jameis has got a much brighter future. Yeah, I agree. And 
I think it's partially the offense that they're running down in Tennessee. It feels like every play is that read option. It's like watching a bad college team where they're faking the five guys and trying to throw, and they'll complete it every play, and they'll get a runoff every play, and then they get seven yards over the course of three downs and have to punt every time. It's just really bizarre. The Rams at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers looked terrible yesterday after we both picked them to upset Arizona, and then L.A., looked terrible on the field, but they looked real sweet at the Coliseum in those gold and blue uniforms. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. I can't believe how bad the Bucks looked, though. Yeah, that's um, alarming. Yeah, I, I'm going to take them here, though. I, the Rams have no offensive firepower, even with Todd Gurley. They, they can't get anything going. So is Jeff Fisher just that old school and stubborn that he won't play Jared Goff, or is he really that bad that he can't be better than Case Keenum, who hasn't scored a touchdown in two games? Yeah, I would... I would bet we hear this week they're going to play him. I, like you said, it can't get worse. I mean, other than maybe they turn the ball over a couple more times and they don't win that game by a couple of field goals, I guess. Maybe that's his fear. But yeah. their defense isn't good enough to win every game like this. So I think they got to make a change. And his job's on the line, so he kind of has to. Well, and didn't it take him like three years to play Steve McNair? Like back in the day, maybe he's just in. he's probably just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> These 49ers at Seahawks, it used to be one of the most hard-hitting, exciting games in the NFL, and now it just seems really boring. Yeah, I think Seattle easy in this one. Uh, Agreed. Pittsburgh at Philadelphia. Again, when we pick these games, we haven't yet seen the Monday night game, but I don't see a scenario in which uh, Pittsburgh doesn't win. Yeah, same here, Pittsburgh. The Jets at Kansas City. And I'm getting very nervous about my Kansas City in the AFC Championship game pick because they just haven't looked outside of that furious fourth quarter against San Diego. It's looked pretty rough all year. And the Jets have looked pretty consistent, so I'm actually going to take them as an upset on the road. Yeah, I I think I'll stick with what I think I know, and that's Kansas City's a a slightly better team than New York. I think the Jets' offense can look really good at times, but I think the Chiefs are just as good at home. Um, seems like a Chiefs win. Yeah, uh, me trusting Ryan or Ryan Fitzpatrick on the road seems kind of silly as well. San Diego at Indianapolis. I feel so badly for the San Diego Chargers. They had Keenan Allen get hurt the first week. They got Stevie Johnson hurt in the off season. They had a whole half their rookie classes out with injuries. Um, and then they seem to have a really good thing going early on in the season with Danny Woodhead and Melvin Gordon complimenting each other great in the running game, and then Danny Woodhead blows out his knee, and he's out for the year. It's I don't know who's going to be left on this team, and man, you feel like the Packers are running out of time. Poor Phillip Rivers, he never even had a chance to have a prime and, <laughs> and fade away. Yeah, I feel like if you followed the career of Phillip Rivers and watched a lot of these games, you got to feel like he's like the most unfortunate guy ever because they always blow these awful leads and have these most devastating losses and all these injuries. And as good as he was in his career, he's not going to win a Super Bowl. It's just like yeah. you kind of feel bad for the guy, but I'm picking the Colts here. Uh, yeah, I'm picking the Colts too. And not only is Phillip Rivers not going to win a Super Bowl, he's not going to get close and the closest he ever got, to your point, he had to go on the road to play at an 17-0 team with his only all-pro teammate out with an injury and him playing on a partially torn oh, ACL. Yeah. Yep. Most snake-bitten guy in history. It's really kind of sad for him. <laughs> um, another case 
where the NFL just thinks that big city equals big-time excitement. Our Sunday night football game is the Bears at the Cowboys. Wow. Yuck. I'll take yeah, Dallas. A, <laughs> I like yeah. Dak Prescott. Um, he, he really impressed me, and if he keeps playing the way he's playing for the next eight games, I don't know if Romo ever throws another pass for the Cowboys. Yeah, this is a hard one to pick without seeing the Bears again tonight, but I think I'm actually going to maybe I need to start making up some ground for on you, but I'll probably just start <laughs> making more of a gap, but um, I'm going to pick the Bears here. I think that offense has some ability to be explosive, and it's not like their defense is any worse than Dallas's, so I guess maybe I trust Cutler a little more than um, than I do Prescott at this point, and they've got some pretty good receivers. Yeah, and yeah, they, they always have a pretty good offense, and um, I guess I'll see how they look tonight. I'm kind of excited for tonight's game for some reason. I want to see Carson Wentz and even though I just made fun of the Bears, they they have cool home uniforms. They look cool on Monday Night Football, and you know, just kind of yeah, it's a cool old school matchup. And on uh, the way home from work, I was thinking about tonight's game, and for whatever reason, randomly popping into my head was that what a day or two after Christmas in two thousand nine, when the Bears beat Brett Favre's Vikings in overtime at Soldier Field. And we watched it at Buffalo Wild Wings. Yes, and it's, that was the best game. Oh my gosh, I've never been, I've never cheered so hard for the Bears in my life, and I don't expect to <laughs> from this point on. But that was one of my favorite times, and maybe the only highlight of Jay Cutler's career in my mind. Yeah, I was a huge Cutler fan after that night. It was just, I mean, seeing the the hardcore Far fans that everybody remembers there, and then with us, the, the Packer fans, yeah, and just going after each other, and then getting, the, I think they hit a couple of big passes to win. Oh, that was, mm-hmm. yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And on Monday Night Football, probably less fun than that. Next week, the Falcons at the Saints. Two teams that, you know, they, at least the Saints were able to get a Super Bowl. The Falcons are way past their peak at this point. But, uh, um, I don't know, Saints at home, who knows. Yeah, this is a really tough one. Yeah, I guess, because I'll pick the Falcons at home when they have this matchup later. I guess I'll, I'll agree with you. I think these teams are pretty much on even footing. I'll pick the Saints. And at Lambeau Field, for the first game the Packers have played at Lambeau Field in about a month, if you go through the preseason, they will host the Detroit Lions, who have hung tough in both of their games, maybe should have lost to the Colts, and that, actually, you know what, they've they've given up big leads in both games, and so maybe they should be better than they are. Um, they're kind of right in there with San Diego, where they just get up way ahead and then can't really hold on. Um, although the Chargers didn't do that yesterday. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but Detroit has a chance to beat this obviously um, struggling Green Bay Packer team, but will they? You know, I feel like if if they would just run it consistently with Eddie Lacy, this is an easy Packer win. I'm just afraid that our offense is going to be stagnant again, even though this Detroit defense is bad. Um, I'll pick the Packers hesitantly, but I feel like even almost what we saw yesterday would probably be still good enough to beat Detroit. I would agree. Um, they're at home. This is the type of game that you expect that is, if this team really just is in a rut, and part of the reason it's not working is because they're worried about getting Jared Cook acclimated and getting Jordy Nelson back on track. If that is the case, if that's all that's causing the offense to look so much... Um, similar to last year's pathetic offense, then I would expect them to come out and just destroy the Lions. <laughs> you know, beat them 41-10 to 10 or something like that. And if they do, then 
a lot of the angst that I have today will go away and I'll foolishly jump right back on that Super Bowl bandwagon. I don't expect it to happen. I'm expecting like a 20 to 16 kind of win. I do think they will win. But um, this is the game if the offense really is just, you know, they're healthy. They're pretty healthy right now offensively. If this is the game where, oh, the offense, we just need some home cooking and some guys to get used to playing together, then this is a game they should win by three touchdowns. Well, I think this game is, uh, like you said, the next four or five games, I think this game is really the turning point of the season and the real indicator of what this team is and could be. Uh, I mean, you can have things change over 16 games, but you know what I'm saying? Because you have such a bad defense you're playing against. You're at home. You're primed. Everybody's healthy. You have everything you could possibly want Mm -hmm. in your favor. Can you come out here and look good, or are you going to be the same offense that we've been? I I think this is a, a huge game to to kind of for you and I and everybody to decide what kind of a team this is. Well, there you go, Packers. It's up to you now. you got to make it happen. Um, now I'm excited. The, the, this last season, or the last season and the last two games have just been so frustrating to watch, even though I know if you're a fan of a different team, you probably think we're remarkably spoiled, and maybe we are, but it's just not been fun to watch these games at all because it's such a struggle. It doesn't look smooth or anything. I mean, watching the Badgers play with Kurt Phillips is pretty close to what it's been with the Packers the last 18 games or 20 games, I guess. It's just, man, I just want to, I don't care if they have to beat Detroit and it turns out that the the defense sucks, but if they beat Detroit 38-34, yeah, let's score some freaking points. I'm so tired of this. (laughs) It's it's just weird. All right, speaking of the Badgers, I don't know if you saw today, Matt, but they announced that Alex Hornibrook is going to start at Michigan State. Nice. I didn't. So um, I guess for me, I don't follow the Badgers as closely as I do the Packers, but I still watch all of the games. And I'm relieved to see that because uh, Bart Houston looked like he was going to throw about six picks a game against the Big Ten teams. Yeah, I agree. And for me, this next four games is about as tough of a stretch as you're ever going to have at Wisconsin. And if Hornibrook comes through, maybe gets one win and doesn't look abysmal, he's a redshirt freshman. Then you have him for another three years after that. Who knows what he could uh, blossom into a couple years down the road. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. If he looks this good just in the last couple weeks in garbage time, I know it gets bad teams, but uh, he's looked good. If you could get a guy like this, you have potentially your best quarterback since Russell Wilson, which is exactly what the Badgers are always missing. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be big for the next four years. So we can hope. So uh, interesting weekend against Michigan teams, and uh, we'll see what happens there. So, uh, again, I just do want to reference the the Facebook page. So I know we have a lot of people interacting on that, um, and you've all given some really thorough um, answers that are all really good. So if you're listening to this podcast, you should check out the Facebook page. And I know that, that um, there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast that don't get involved on in the Facebook page. So I'd encourage you all to just uh, give it a shot, come out on the Facebook page, and uh, I, I know a lot of us on there are always referencing a lot of super old stuff. You don't have to have a nerd level knowledge of uh, the 1971 Minnesota Vikings. You can come on there and talk about whatever you want to talk about. And I definitely would encourage that because we always like to get some new people involved. Uh, but if you do want to go to the Facebook page, I should mention how to go there. That's Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook. You can also tweet at us at Green Gold Forever. That's the number four. I tweet on there during Packer games, but also anytime I'm watching Wisconsin sports or have anything else uh, related to Wisconsin sports that I think is worth sharing or conversing about, you can hit us up on there. And then also, um, 
the the website, which you probably know if you're listening to this, is greengoldforever.podbean.com. Uh, but definitely download the Podbean app. Um, on there, you can follow the Green and Gold Forever podcast, and you get our complete archives. So iTunes is a great uh, podcast um app as well and you can get our show on there but you only get like the last 10 episodes and so if you're newer to the show you use the Podbean app and you can listen to everything so you can take off the next five or seven days and just listen to green and gold forever for like 120 straight hours and then and then know what the show is all about so that sounds like the best thing to do between now and the lions game doesn't it yeah all right, so uh, obviously, if that's going to take place for you, we got to give, we got to get off of this one and let you uh, have some time for that. So for Matt in Altoona, I am Eric in Appleton. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, hopefully next week we can talk about a Packer team that once again has the look of a true contender. Take care, everyone.